the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we need to talk about draining the swamp today, draining the swamp. And before we get to that, let let me remind you, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there. The daily email is called What You Need to Know. The daily email goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific Time. If you go to uh, ProAmericaReport.com, it kicks through to the archive at my website, phyllisschlafly.com, but you can sign up there. There'll be a pop-up. Sign up for the daily email, the daily wink, we call it, what you need to know. It goes out each morning. It gives you a couple of key stories, a couple of key links, makes a good point, uh, really valuable, up to close to, I think it's a bit bit under 50,000 people get that email every day, uh, Monday through Friday. So ProAmericaReport.com, sign up there. You can also, on that portion of the website, get all these interviews that we're doing, these segments, because we have so many great interviews over the last couple of months, especially always, uh, interviews with authors, interviews with commentators. I think later this week, Steve Moore, the economist who was with um, Donald Trump, and has been so prominent for a long time, will be with us. Lots of folks, experts on policy, experts on uh, history, whatever it is. Craig Shirley was on with his book on uh, uh, on the uh, World War II era, and on and on and on. Of course, my favorite, I talk about him all the time, is John Cribb, uh, his book on Old Abe, and a lot more. Okay, now, today, what we need to know, what you need to know. You know, we've watched something happen in Washington that's totally fake. Do you know that? It's totally fake, and nobody noticed it. I didn't notice it until I read a piece in the um, Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago. I had not noticed this. Totally fake. You know, we all watched as the United States Senate had hearings. They received a nomination, and they had hearings. The nomination was uh, for Judge Kajani Brown-Jackson to be moved from the D.C. Court of Appeals to the U.S. Supreme Court. Joe Biden made the nomination. He sent it up to the Senate. The Senate Judiciary Committee had hearings. They voted the, the nomination out of committee. It went to the floor of the Senate, and it was voted on. And then nothing happened. Why? Because the law requires that the President of the United States nominate someone to fill the vacancy of a Supreme Court justice when one, is, when one occurs. And Justice Breyer did not resign. He just said he intends to resign later this year. Now, you say, why does it matter, Ed? What's the big deal? Well, A, it's against the law, right? The law actually says that. B, it's a, it's a separation of powers question. In this case, it, literally all three branches of the government are touched by it. The, the judiciary has a vacancy. The vacancy, lifetime appointment, is to be filled by an appointment of the executive, the other branch, and the third branch, the legislature gets advice and consent. It's literally touching all three branches of our revered government. And 
It was a lie. It was a fraud. Now, why would they do that? Well, you can tell why Biden and uh, and Kajani Jackson uh, and Biden and the uh, and the Democrats want to do it. That sent Democrats in the Senate. Chuck Schumer. They wanted to get it over with. But why would our founders contemplate that the appointment should be made when there's a vacancy? Well, one reason is it's not like the vacancy is only for a term. It's forever. It's a lifetime appointment. So let's say that the cabinet, let's say that there's, um, let's say that the cabinet secretary, let's say Department of Justice, Merrick Garland announces attorney general, he's going to retire, retire on July 1st. Well, could he be fired at any time by the president? Yes. He serves at the complete will of the president. It's a subsidiary position to the president. So the president can say, okay, good. Well, I'm going to nominate your successor and ask them to hold hearings because I want the advice and consent, but it's not required because I have control. If I don't like the person who is, uh, who is, I nominate and gets in office, I could fire him or her. In other words, it's all within one branch. The checks and balances are within one branch. The, the the executive has control. I'm not sure I'm explaining it well enough, but the executive has control. Therefore, what he does with his own department, it may be weird. It may be weird for the Senate to say, confirm uh, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco to be the next Attorney General when there's no vacancy. But that's kind of weird in one department, the executive, weird in one branch, executive branch, unorthodox in one branch. But the law says, you can only replace a justice when there's a vacancy. And so, and this has not happened before. I think it happened in the art in the piece, the Wall Street Journal piece. There was some times where they sort of tried to do it, but they made it so that it was as soon as a nomination, a, a confirmation happened, the vacancy occurred. In other words, contingent on the vacancy, I resign effective a vac- the uh, person being confirmed. So could Johnny Jackson was voted whatever date, then Breyer's out. That's not what we did here. Why would it matter? If you had to wait until a vacancy, well, for one thing, it shows the stability of the system that you're not waiting. But another thing, you would have to do it in time. You would have to do it in the time that you're in. So let's say that Breyer retires on July 1st, but by July 1st, there's not a senator from New Mexico because the current senator of New Mexico had been hospitalized for a stroke, which happened. Or we're at war. Or... There's three more vacancies because other justices quit or, or, or we have elections supposedly on an election day because the people should vote about who they're picking at the moment in time that they have to judge. I'm going to vote on election day, not six months earlier because you want all the information you can have. That's my opinion, by the way. But the law in this case is really clear. And the fact that nobody's objecting to me is Classic swamp stuff. This is classic. I had a friend of mine tell me, yeah, well, it's probably better to do it this way because someday Clarence Thomas or Justice Alito will probably retire. And when he retires, we might have the same situation. We want to do it. I don't know. Let me let's see when we get there. Right now, I think that the senators should have said you can't you can nominate the person. You can say I'm going to put Kadani Jackson up when she's going to be up. And I'd ask you to consider her. When Breyer's gone. But if Breyer's not gone yet, he's still on the bench. We have this sort of justice in waiting. Could could uh, could President Biden nominate a justice to replace um, the next justice he wants? Let's say that Kagan says, I'm going to retire a year and a half from now. Could he nominate the person, get her confirmed and have her just be pending there? Is that possible? It's, it seems to me, again, because of the separation of powers, the balance of powers between the branches, 
there's at least an argument to me. And I'm not sure who would, how would you litigate this? How would you go to the court and say, I don't know what, go into federal court and say, the justice has been voted on by the Senate. She can't be voted on because there's no vacancy. I don't know how you do that practically, which is what the swamp counts on. The swamp counts on the fact that there's no way for us to object. And everybody's sort of in on the deal. The Kabuki theater charges on. But it's a, ter- a, it's a terrible precedent. B, it's just wrong. And C, nobody mentioned it until the Wall Street Journal. I mean, I guess that's fair enough. The Wall Street Journal uh, wrote it up a few days ago. There's a column there. But nobody even brought it up. Why didn't somebody bring it up in the in the process? Like say, hey, Justice uh, Brown, um, Justice Br- uh, Brown Jackson, um, do, do you think it's unorthodox that you would be nominated for a position that's not vacant? And how would you what would you do if what if Breyer decides on July, June 30th that he's really not done? What would what happens if Breyer, you know, Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, which are, are the big cases that are sort of being reconsidered because there's an abortion case, the Dobbs case. Roe v. Wade and, and Doe v. Bolton were actually argued in one year and decided another term later. They re-argued them. So what if Breyer says, I, I want to, uh, there are going to be re-arguments on the Dobbs case. I'm going to stay on the court. Do we have a year and a half of, of, a, uh, of, a, of a justice in waiting? And could the new Senate, the new U.S. Senate, let's say that the Senate is flipped to Republican. And so next January, November, the Republicans win the Senate. And then January, they swear in a new Senate. Could the new Senate say, well, we're not going to honor that. And, and tell me why they couldn't. I think they could. It's just pure chaos. It's, it's yet again where the swamp doesn't care about we the people, doesn't care about the rules, doesn't care about how things actually should be, the right way to do things. And they're doing it their own way. It's really inappropriate. It's really improper. It's just plain wrong. And I'm so sick of the swamp all the time. Justice Kajani Brown Jackson could not be confirmed because no vacancy exists yet. And everybody knows it. And nobody told us. Nobody stopped it. We're just all supposed to take it. Because why? Because the swamp knows better. The swamp knows better than we the people. The swamp knows better than the Constitution. It's outrageous. All right. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for what you need to know, like this segment, today's wink. And we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been smiling, smiling as I was getting ready for this next interview. Uh, last week, one of our guys, um, AJ, who helps uh, publicize cool stuff, sent me a, an email and said, you want to talk about the pronoun landmine, a new video game? And I said, I can't imagine not wanting to talk about that. So our next guest is the founder and the CEO of Red Balloon. And this is a company that was founded in 2021 to try to help people in the workplace, get jobs and all, especially in, in light of the cancel culture and what's happening. His name is Andrew Crapuchettes. Crapuchettes. He told me, he coached me on this off air. That's it. That is his last name. When he says it in French, it sounds really cool. But uh, Andrew, welcome back. Welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Ed. So first, let me say pronounlandmine.com. It'll make you smile. Pronounlandmine.com. People go there. But Andrew, back up. Red Balloon. Um, you mentioned off the air, you've worked at universities. You've been in all different kinds of things. You're a family man. What is Red Balloon? Uh, and, and when I say what is it, but then what's its res- what is it in response to and how is it working? 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so I was a tech executive for the last 15, 20 years uh, in various companies. And about nine months ago, my board decided I was a little too conservative and a little too Christian for their liking. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself delightfully unemployed. And mm. so I thought, well, if I have skills and abilities and resources, I should use those to bless others if I can pull it off. And so um, I also saw a very tight labor market and I saw a lot of wokeness in the workplace kind of sapping the joy out of the life, um, out of the work life. And so I thought, well, if I can do anything for that, I would love to. And so I started redballoon.work. Uh, it's called Red Balloon because if you have ever been on a hot air balloon, it's a little bit terrifying and a lot bit fun, kind of like looking for a new job. And red, because everyone's moving to red states or red regions of blue states because they want freedom. They want their family to be they want to raise their family um, the way that they believe. Right. Um, work because uh, I think work is deeply satisfying when done um, to the glory of God. And um, when you're doing it in a way that is um, not covered in wokeness. And so right. that's really what I wanted to focus on. Redballoon.work. How do we redeem the world of work a little bit and make life better? About three weeks after I founded this site. Uh, and you can just think of it as job matchmaking for conservatives. So if you're a conservative employer and you want to hire people who aren't going to complain in the HR department all the time, but just want to focus on work, this is a great place to post jobs. And not only will you get access to some of the best employees, you will also be an encouragement to Americans because there's a lot of Americans right now that feel like they just need to keep their head down in their large woke corporation uh, because it might cost them their job if they actually live their values. Uh, but if they know that there are employers out there who are willing to hire them and respect their freedom and actually believe the Constitution still applies to all of us, then they are going to have more courage to stand up at work and be able to speak their mind because they know they can get a job somewhere else. So that's really what I focused on with Red Balloon dot work. And it's been a really fun adventure. Uh, pausing for a second, my listeners hear me, Andrew, talk all the time. And it, by the way, it's, again, it's redballoon.work. I'll put that up on social media. The fun thing will make you smile is the pronoun, pronoun landmine.com. Uh, this game we'll talk about in a minute, but, um, because it is great to capture sort of the imagination of the pronoun landmine. I, you know, what is it? What, what you got to get, you know, and none of us want to be rude. So when someone tells they have a preference, you know, instead of calling me Edward, call me Ed, or someone says, you know, instead of calling me, you know, Tom, call me Thomas, whatever, right? You want, we want to. So it is a landmine anyway, but back for one second. Um, my listeners are used to me doing this, um, Andrew. The in the communist era, there was a ended up he ended up the president of the Czech Republic of, of Valak Havel, and um, he wrote a piece called "The Power of the Powerless," and in it he describes why behind the com- the communist curtain the. Uh, people that ran the grocery store would put in the window a sign that said workers of the world unite. It wasn't particularly that they thought much of that slogan. They knew they were signaling to the powers that be that I was being okay and signaling to the people that were going to shop there that they were okay. It was sort of a, a double signal. And anyway, the piece goes on to talk about a lot of things, but the, the one that I found most um, uh, important and talk a lot about Andrew is what happens after a while is good people self-censorship. And, and Havel talks about this. You just start to say, I, I'm just going to, I just don't want the hassle, right? I've got two kids in yep. school. I've got five kids in school. I've got, uh, I'm hoping to, you know, save for uh, my parents are in retirement. I want to send them on a trip, whatever. And the, the, the trick in my mind, the step I go past Havel, which is why I'm interested in this, is um, is if you're self-censoring, the next thing is you sort of, uh, you, you inertia, you sit still, you don't inaction is the right. next part. So here's my question. Red balloon dot work. Um, a lot of businesses don't want to be witnesses 
to the right thing. I mean, if you're in the red part of a red state, sure. But if you're a, a normal business, you might not want to. Are you are you giving people space where you're, you're surprised to see some people say, no, no, I'm, I, I need workers. I'm going to do it like this. Is it are, are, in other words, are you are people um, growing into it or are you just are you finding, frankly, the ones who are already strong enough to be there? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think that COVID was a real accelerator for a lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, including the left agenda, which has caused a lot of conservatives to wake up. And I think a lot of people are kind of looking around and realizing where things are going and that their bunker is only going to last them so much longer. And it's time to raise the old pirate flag um, and be courageous, which is what it takes to be a conservative today. Um, so there's a couple of different things here we have in only the six, seven months that we've been doing this. So it's a pretty brand new business. We have over 1,800 employers who have signed up and said, you know what, I'm going to stand for freedom. I'm going to stand for the freedom of my employees and of my future employees. But we also, there are some employers in states like New York or California where they're just in a position where it will cost them more than it is worth to align themselves with right. the brand. Right. So right. we understand that. We have something called anonymous balloons. So oh. if, you're, if you're an employer and says, look, I want access to the best kind of workers. And one employer say, every person I hire off redballoon.work is cleansing to my culture because they're just hardworking people who want to make a living. They want to um, bless the employer that they're working for and make money. Right. And they're okay right. with that. So um, so, but we do have anonymous balloon. We have a number of employers who've had great success hiring the right kind of people off anonymous balloon because they realize that even if um, they can't align themselves publicly with a conservative brand like redballoon.work, um, they do want access to those type, type of people. And so, um, yeah, we, we, we sympathize. I understand. I'm in Idaho. It's a lot easier to be a conservative here than it is in the state of California or New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's but that's great. I mean, I, I'm not surprised if you're an entrepreneur, you would recognize that there was still a market and you'd say, how do I, if somebody wants to be here and get the workers, I mean, they, I tell my 18-year-old daughter all the time, now's the time for you to get a job you want. I mean, in terms of like a summer job or whatever, the, the you know, they're tripping on. We went to dinner once and I said, watch this. And I said to the the, the um, maitre d', do you guys have a, a, a application for waitresses? She's interested in it. He, he couldn't stop. He grinned and ran and came back. Right. I mean, it's a great it's a great time if you're willing to work. So I'm, I'm not surprised that you address this. OK, let's talk about the landmine. Yeah, and, and again, Andrew, uh, redballoon.work is a website, pronoun landmine, which is a fun little site sort of uh, playing around. But you came out of the tech industry. So you came yeah. out of corporate um, again. You, you sort of no matter who you are, you sort of play the game in life. Even if sometimes you say to yourself, well, you know, I I don't really want I don't really have. a. Here's an example. I don't really have a lot of respect for that person. I'm going to still call him, sir, because I know the game. Right. And, you know, yeah. and, and so but the pronouns have come so quickly into the corporate culture. Um, first of all, it's not that funny for a lot of people because you're right. it, it really is a landmine. Yep. Yep. No. So there's a couple of things in this game. Um, just because you might as well have fun. Uh, right. when, when you when you own your own business, you kind of do what you want. So right. people out there, go start a business and have a lot of fun doing it. So right. um, I had a good friend who was, um, I think I can say it, at Amazon.com. Right. Um, and he had a new employee who started for him because he was a manager. Uh, and that employee, um, who will remain nameless, had a very masculine name and had a beard and a dark, uh, a deep voice and wanted to be called a she, her. And he says, you know, I'm just not comfortable um, you saying that because it's not true. And he ended up getting fired over that. Wow. And then I also had, uh, I have an employee here at Red Balloon. 
he was a GE health for a lot of years. And he would tell his kids, you know, kids, I am making a ton of money and I am really enjoying my job, but I might step on a pronoun landmine at work today. And if I do, it will cost me my job. And so his 14 year old son actually wrote pronoun landmine the game um, as a thank you uh, to Red Balloon for hiring his dad and allowing his dad to live his values and be a conservative and wow. push on something important. So this is this is a game written by a 14 year old. Uh, and it's a fun little, you know, Atari style yeah, game. Yeah. And, it, and it really is just making fun of some of the wokeness in the workplace because um, it has gone, you know, again, I don't mind being respectful of someone. Right. Um, but when they ask you to lie, uh, I just that's a bridge too far. And so um, it has gone a long way. And so it is uh, making some people think about it. And it's kind of fun because we, I think, had a thousand people play the game in the first hour. Hmm. Uh, so there's a yeah. lot of people out there that would love a little bit of freedom. Uh, we're talking with Andrew Crapuche, who is the uh, f- founder and the CEO of RedBalloon.Work, uh, a, uh, I guess you'd say, a, a, well, a website that helps match workers with employers uh, without fear of uh, some of the some of the uh, woke uh, culture stuff. Andrew, but business is many business, and and you know the best filter in the world is to follow the money, in my opinion. I mean, you can do a lot of other things, but um, and I would say I would I would bet that the most in, in interesting aspect of what you're doing is your success. Meaning, uh, do you see in your competitors, like I don't know, is is Indeed.com? I know it's much bigger, but right, but or yeah. LinkedIn or something that's doing job stuff. Are they adjusting to the reality that people don't want to live in fear? I mean, is there is there almost is Indeed going to do a feature? Or if you're conservative, you can go over here. I mean, I, I wouldn't think they would want to seed the, the field for too long. Yeah, you would think that. But um, actually, C12, which is one of the largest CEO right. Christian CEO networks, um, mm-hmm. they were told by Indeed that they couldn't post jobs there. Wow. Because they wow. were conservative. And so, no, I think a lot of these large woke tech companies are ideologues. And so they are so committed to their worldview that they are not willing to change. And so. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to have a huge adjustment anytime soon. And um, in the meantime, we're having a great time. We're uh, adding businesses every single day. We're adding job seekers every single day. And Ed, I've never been part. I've run a lot of businesses over the years, and I've never been part of a business where I get unsolicited thank you notes from perfect strangers literally every day mm. saying, you know what? I was working for a company that hated my worldview, it's making me wear a mask to work every day. I now work for a conservative or I work for a Christian and you've completely changed the trajectory of my family because I come home from work satisfied and mm. excited about what I'm doing. I had one lady say, you saved my marriage wow. because my husband is now in a position where our, our family is healthier because he has a good job because a job is a very interesting defining feature of someone's life. And when you put someone in the right job with the right company, um, you really can make a huge impact on their family, which has been a really fun process for me. I'd say, well, congratulations, especially on that last uh, part where you talked about, I mean, it's great to do something that succeeds. It's really great to do something that succeeds and helps change the world. It's uh, probably, it makes it easy to get out of bed. So, uh, well, good. Well, listen, thank you, Andrew, for your time. We'll put it all up on social media, everybody, and check it out and look for, if you want to look for a job, you want to post a job. Again, it's redballoon.work and the pronoun landmine is worth a, a laugh, uh, pronounlandmine.com, and we'll put it all up there. Thanks again, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Ed. Have a great day. You too. All right, everybody. We'll take a quick break. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. You can listen to this segment that we just covered with Andrew. And uh, we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been far too long. My friend Ronald Kessler, Ron Kessler, go to ronaldkessler.com. Kessler has two S's, ronaldkessler.com. You can see his many books, uh, fascinating career as a journalist and then as an author. Um, his books on the White House, on the CIA, on the FBI, um, and just incredible about uh, Palm Beach social scene. It's one of the ways that he became uh, uh, friendly with uh, then Donald Trump, now the president. And uh, so first of all, uh, Ron's been too long. Welcome back. How are you? Hey, great to be with you again. So, Ron, um, this, the piece that I saw, uh, I think it was over in the Washington Examiner, um, Paul uh, Bedard wrote about um, – uh, you were talking, interviewing you and um, talking about your time with Secret Service, one of the things that you had written about so interestingly. But the title on the head, the headline on the piece is um, Biden obsessed with Delaware. I don't think people have quite realized. And I don't know if I have a problem with it. I mean, interested what you see, what your take is. But Biden goes home to Delaware almost every weekend, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it, it is excessive. You know, we provide a home for him, the White House, of course. It was the same with Donald Trump, except that was just in the winter where he would go to Mar-a-Lago and then occasionally he would go to his uh, country club in, in New Jersey. Uh, but, but at the same time, he only slept four hours a night the rest of the time he worked. Right. Uh, and and uh, with, with uh, Biden, you know, it really does signify a lack of interest in his job, a lack of energy and, and uh, ability to carry out his, his duties. And what I've learned from the inside of the White House is that he is so obsessed with going back to Wilmington that the, when he comes back on Monday morning, the first thing he wants to know is, when can I go back to Wilmington? Hmm. Uh, and uh, he, according to the Secret Service, who protected him when he was vice president, uh, his only interest was playing golf and going to Wilmington. And their assessment was He's just lazy. He likes to play golf and he likes to be at home. And and that's about it. And, you know, you can detect that from the uh, lackadaisical way he talks. Well, and, uh, and, and, and Ron, let me ask, we're talking with Ron Kessler, ronaldkessler.com. You can see as many books. And one of the books that uh, is so interesting is in the president's secret service behind the scenes with agents in the line of fire and the presidents they predict, predict, but uh, pausing for one second, Ron, um, you have seen these presidents, right? George W. Bush, a former governor, whatever his role was, he was an executive in the Texas Rangers baseball team. Donald Trump, a uh, a former you know CEO, whatever you think of his different businesses, he ran stuff. Uh, Obama, I guess, was a straight up uh, uh, politician, uh, you know, a, a legislative branch. Clinton, a governor. Carter, a governor. Um, Reagan, a governor. Um, the difference to me, one difference is that when you're a senator. You can go home and do nothing and nobody can make you do anything. And there's nothing really to do unless you do it. When you're president, the job never stops. I mean, that's and it looks like Biden is being a senator who happens to be in the presidential office. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and he lies like a senator as well, uh, just constantly. And, uh, you know, his credibility is, is totally shot. Of course, you can argue uh, the conservative view, which is, the less uh, someone in government does, the better it is for us. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and but but you know, unfortunately, every now and then he does get involved, as in the Afghanistan withdrawal, where he right. insisted on a withdrawal before uh, a certain deadline. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it is just a mess. But I think I think what the Secret Service uh, has observed sums it all up. He's 
he's lazy. Is um, but now now we're now we're now that we're where we are, um, nothing can change that, right? I mean, if you're if you're the president and you want to be lazy on Afghanistan, on the economy, now on uh, you know a war footing. Nobody can make you not be lazy, right? I mean, there's nobody. It doesn't look like Joe Biden is changing the trajectory. Nobody's doing an intervention to say, hey, we really need your help. I think um, doesn't it doesn't this increase the power, not decrease at all, but decrease dramatically the power of his staff? Well, really, his staff makes most of the decisions. They, they sort of act like a committee and they will present some of the most important decisions to him. Uh, so, you know, you would think that that would work pretty well, but but the question is, what kind of staff do you select and how bright is Joe Biden himself? And we know he's not very bright. He keeps making exactly the wrong decisions, whether it's on the economy or Afghanistan, although I think he's doing a fairly good job on, on Ukraine. Um, I do like to maintain my credibility and Every now and then, when someone is doing right on the other side, right, right. Uh, but uh, you know, as Bob Gates said, he rarely uh, ever made the yeah. right decision on, on foreign affairs, right. And and really, the most shocking thing of all, which is in, which is in my book, the first family detail, is that when Biden would go back to Wilmington as vice president, he would insist that the military aid with the uh, nuclear football remain at least a mile behind in his motorcade, not only uh, coming and going, but also traveling around Wilmington. And the reason was he wants to maintain this image of regular Joe. He, he's fixated on his image. So if Obama, Obama had been taken out or could not be located, we would have been wiped out because we would uh, there would not have been time for the military aid with the nuclear mm. football to catch up with him and launch a counterstrike. That is the most shocking thing I think you can say about anybody in government. And and yet th this has not been picked up from the book. What what was picked up was the fact that Biden would swim nude in front of his female Secret Service agents, both in Washington and Wilmington, and, and that offended female agents. And even the Washington Post picked that, picked that up. But uh, the papers... Uh, have not picked up and there have been no hearings on the fact that uh, Biden put this country at risk of being annihilated. By do we do we do we don't we don't do, we don't have any reason to think he does it now as president. Right. He probably yeah. now he does the whole they probably would. They couldn't let him. I mean, maybe it'd be better yeah. right now if he was further away from the football. But uh, Ron, also, Ron also yeah. I exposed him, you know, yep. so to speak, in the book uh, doing this. So, so he certainly wouldn't think. Yeah, of right. Right. Again. Uh, uh, by the way, the book, again, is called In the President's Secret Service, Behind the Scenes with Agents in the Line of Fire and the Presence They Protect, Ronald Kessler, ronaldkessler.com. You can see a lot of his stuff. Um, Ron, um, when he goes to to Delaware, it, I, I've seen, I guess, the pictures. I don't remember. But, it, I mean, we made fun, we all made fun of it. He was in his basement the whole time for the campaign. But does he have a huge house? Is it a big compound? I mean, it's not like Hyannisport, is it? Mm, yeah, it, it is about the same size. Uh, oh, it, it, is. it is a very nice house. Yes. And then he has a home in Delaware, which the uh, Secret Service uh, provided with with a, a fence for uh, $500,000, even though, of course, fences are evil in the Democrat <laughs> playbook. Right. Uh, but wait, so his home in Delaware, where he goes 
is a big old home. Then he's got a shore house nearby in Delaware yeah. also, right? Delaware. That's right. That, okay. That's the one where the Secret Service put up. A, oh, uh, I see. Okay. Okay. A, a, so, a so, so does he go home to, does he go home to play golf? Does he go home to just sleep in his bed? What, what is it about Delaware that he likes so much? I, I mean, I hate to be a little bit crass, but if I got to be president, I think it'd be pretty fun to be in the White House, wouldn't it? I don't understand why it's not. Maybe you just get sick of having to make decisions and people are around you. But but what does he go back to Delaware for? The Does he like cooking in his kitchen? I mean, what do we know? He just likes relaxing there. He likes to swim if it's warm. Huh. It has its own pool. Uh, but but that certainly tells you a lot about, about this guy. <laughs> He's a fraud. I mean, he never should have run for president if he just wanted to stay home in Wilmington and, and relax. Yeah. Uh, we're talking again, Ron, Ron Kessler, again, his website, which shows, shows as many books as RonaldKessler.com, RonaldKessler.com. Um, Ron, why, why don't the, the media likes to turn on everybody eventually? They haven't turned on uh, Biden yet. Do you think they will? Uh, you know, I, I think they are starting to, uh, no question. You're around the edges, you see nibbling of uh, criticism. Like Hunter, Bi- like Hunter Biden, the, the laptop finally coming out? Yeah, right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, as, as conditions get worse and worse uh, and his poll numbers keep going down, I think the media will come around very, very slowly. But, you know, but they're late, uh, much too late. They should have been aware of what was going on before he was elected. Yeah, it is amazing. All right, Ronald Kessler. Thank you, Ron. And again, we'll put up on social media his book in the present secret service behind the scenes with agents in the line of fire and the presence they protect. RonaldKessler.com. More there. Thanks, Ron, for the time, as always. Appreciate how smart you are. Thank you. Ah, thanks, Ron. You're nice to say. All right, everybody, we will take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. In 1959, Americans were understandably alarmed when a communist seized power in Cuba and installed a brutal dictatorship on the island just 90 miles off the coast of Florida. Canada is even closer, across a border that is the longest in the world, and a progressive takeover there could cause great damage to our country. After Prime Minister Justin Trudeau seized emergency powers to squash the Freedom Convoy truckers, that kind of threat became more of a possibility than ever. With his unprecedented invocation of Canada's Emergencies Act, Trudeau asserted the power to control domestic travel, command services deemed essential, control the distribution of goods, and impose hefty fines on his own citizens. Like the inhumane retaliation against the January 6th protesters by House Democrats, Canada's liberals in power were bent on doing likewise to peaceful truckers. The widespread, heartfelt public support of the truckers is obvious from the volunteer help they received and from the outpouring of donations. The retaliation by Internet trolls who publicly disclosed small donors' identities to the truckers is shocking, and such invasions of privacy and harassment should be prosecuted. In both America and Canada, we the people are getting tired of this. In a recent poll of Canadians, only 16% of them said they would vote again for Justin Trudeau. In America, polling showed that Joe Biden's average net approval-disapproval rating had fallen to negative 11% across all the major polls. Yet, as in the United States, the Canadian media has protected Trudeau and failed to report fully on the events. For example, it was the New York Post that reported how cameras caught an Antifa-affiliated Canadian 
hitting and injuring four peaceful protesters with his Jeep before speeding off in an attempt to escape. He then ran several stoplights and resisted arrest before finally being captured by Winnipeg police. Yet the major media only bothered to falsely portray the truckers as the criminals. The slow creep of tyranny is far from over, and it's up to vigilant patriots to sound the alarm while there's still time. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. On college campuses and social media, in boardrooms and the public square, conservative voices are being silenced. What happened to free speech or to the First Amendment? At phyllisschlafly.com, we're still listening. So let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for joining us and come back again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish... Uh, let's finish with a little, um, a little lighter fare. Um, if you, uh, listen closely to the program, you know that I have uh, four children and my four children range in age, uh, 18, uh, down to, uh, 10. Uh, the oldest is an 18 year old girl. The youngest is a 10 year old girl, two boys sandwiched in there in between, um, 15 and 13 years old. But, one of the things that is a mystery once you have kids, and you've heard me talk about this, is how does it all work? Like as a father, you know, you I feel particularly inept to do the job, right? You just kind of feel your way, and you hopefully you have role models around you, but it's not easy, and it feels like you make make more mistakes than you do things right. Um, and so you learn a lot. And, and I, I joke a lot with my daughter, uh, who is, um, 18 and she's a great, great young woman now. You know, we messed every, you know, we made all the mistakes with her, how to manage different things, how to make decisions. You're the first one you really don't know. By the time you go to have the first one, whether it's, um, how to coach in sports or encourage them to take up other things or college search, whatever it is, um, you learn a lot. But I'm always interested when I see people, speak about their children as parents. And I came upon this video uh, of Donald Trump, and he was um, interviewed in uh, uh, something called the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. I think this was a few years ago. It was only posted on social media now. Um, it's about a two-minute clip about him and his kids. And he's talking about his kids, and people ask about how it's a success. And he talks about it. first time I've ever heard him talk about it, he told his kids, he says from the time he was two, no alcohol, no drugs, no smoking. And he goes on and on and on about that. Now, I, that's certainly not the extent of all of his advice because he's clearly been somebody who pushed his kids to go to uh, college and, and, uh, and try to, you know, uh, get successful. But there is something simple about that. Uh, no drugs, no alcohol, no smoking. That is wonderfully true, right? And, and I, I, I'm reminded of my own father. He used to talk about those, those vices and he would, uh, he would, uh, be very explicit. It's a different era about what would happen if I went and say did drugs, for example. Um, he was <laughs> very clear it would not turn out well. But you would listen to Trump and I, I am, I am reminded of the fact that it almost doesn't matter what the message is. I think his message is good. The fact that you are giving a message is part of the reality. In other words, paying attention to your kids enough on the key issues of life shows that you care. 
So whether it's, um, you know, the, uh, the birds and the bees, whether it's, uh, relationship advice, whether it's, uh, vocation advice, in this case, alcohol, drugs, something about just the attention to the kids. It almost doesn't matter what you say. It matters that you're saying it. It, it almost matters more that you've lifted the issue up, uh, the issues you're talking about to the level of worthy of discussion that gives them the weight. And I, I, I'm reminded of for a long time, especially during the COVID time, my kids stayed in school. They didn't get, they, they were in private school. So they didn't, they didn't leave school. Like a lot of people, we had a little bit of at home a few weeks, but mostly at school. I drove them to school a lot and I had a lot of time with my kids, different, uh, times with my daughter and then the boys and driving them to school times talking and what they hear you say, they soak up. Anyway, I'll put it up on social media. I'm reminded with Trump. You got to watch him talk about his kids and how he did it, because no matter what you say, those children turned out, his children turned out pretty spectacularly. And how he talks about it is really, really interesting. So take a listen to that and a celebration, as always, of uh, of families and children. Such a mystery, uh, but such a blessing. And uh, I'm just marvel at it. So uh, we'll take we'll be gone. We'll come back. It's Ed Martin. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, also a good dad and uh, our associate producer, Joanna Spilger. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.